This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Bye. Bye. So it's half past seven on a Saturday morning when I could be in bed, lying in bed thinking about bacon sandwiches and the day that lies ahead. Instead, I'm off to work, to Parliament, to Westminster for what everyone, (coughs) some journalists, are calling Super Saturday. Basically, the Brexit drama has been played out in so many different ways. They've, They've met early, they've met late, they've met Monday to Friday, and so now they're meeting on a Saturday for novelty factor as much as anything else. I mean, there's already talk in the papers this morning that, in fact, this might not be the definitive vote that Boris Johnson hoped for, a yes or no on his deal. Instead, some amendments may get passed, probably one from Oliver Letwin, which says, well, we don't not not give it our approval, but we're not going to give it our approval yet, and we still want some sort of delay to prevent no deal happening at the end of October. So... At least, it's a nice day, it's blue sky. That's about as much as I can say positively about this. We're, we're heading in for a very special Saturday episode of Brexit. It's like a sort of tea time quiz on BBC One when it gets promoted to Saturday nights. This is essentially, essentially pointless. I do think that this deal uh, represents uh, a very good deal both for the EU and for the UK and it's a a reasonable, fair outcome and reflects the uh, large amount of work that's been undertaken uh, by, by both sides. The numbers are going to be pretty close and we'll see what happens on Saturday itself. But you know... We've been warning people, this is exactly what Boris Johnson does. He does all the hype. He sells us out. I think the European Union have welcomed this deal because they've walked all over him. So the only question for those of us who put forward this amendment is to make sure that we have a sort of insurance policy that means that if for some reason, uh, when the legislation is going through, which you need to get through in order to ratify the deal, Uh, something goes wrong, then we will already have secured 
the extension which the Benn Act provides for. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics podcast from The Times. I'm Matt Jolly and this is Super Saturday. Stop laughing, everybody. This is fun. This is exciting. <laughs> um, Henry Zeffman, explain how significant it is that the Commons is sitting on a Saturday morning. Hugely significant, not just for hard-pressed political journalists' weekend lion plans. This is the first time since 1982 when the House of Commons has sat on a Saturday. That was after Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands. Now, on that occasion, as Patrick Kidd sets out in a really, really brilliant piece in the Times today, very worth reading, the House of Commons was pretty united. Margaret Thatcher stood up and said, we must stand up to Argentina's aggression, and Michael Foote for the Labour Party stood up and agreed. Previous occasions include when Germany invaded Poland, taking the world to the brink of the Second World War. So, uh, you know, to put it mildly, Saturday sittings are moments of significance. Except, as things stand, the significance of today appears to be on the wane before the commas has even sat. I think it's fair to say the significance is in question. So Oliver Letwin, a very clever man, has come up with an amendment which would, he thinks, offer the House of Commons a chance to vote on Boris Johnson's deal but with the insurance policy of forcing the Prime Minister to ask for the extension anyway, but not necessarily meaning it has to happen if they can get the legislation through by October 31st. What the government says is, no, it doesn't give the House of Commons an opportunity to vote on the deal in any meaningful way. It, in fact, just nullifies the whole day. And already, so Downing Street are briefing, literally just, just before we started recording, Downing Street were briefing, they might pull the whole vote. There seems to be some debate as to whether or not they can even do that. Um, so we could get to the end of the day, <laughs> no further forwards, would you believe, in the Brexit drama, no further forwards than we are right now. Uh, it would be somehow befitting of the Brexit process that even when calling everybody here on a Saturday, the House of Commons might find a way to make it an opportunity to kick the can down the road. Which, if you know, if you draw the Falklands comparison, it's a bit like saying, yes, the, yeah, we are in war, but let's come back next week and we'll decide what to do about it. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Something like that. Um, and, uh, we've, been, we've spent all week staring at a spreadsheet, uh, trying to work out how this vote is going to go. As things stand, it is neck and neck, we think, of 299 MPs saying they'll vote for it, 299 saying they'll vote against, and the rest undeclared. It is such a journalistic cliche, but it's true. This is too close to call, and the real question for the rest of the day is whether there's going to be an opportunity for it to be called. Uh, or whether Letwin puts paid to that. Right, so we're just outside the House of Commons now. We're not allowed to record it now, unfortunately. So let's go into the press gallery and hear what the Prime Minister's got to say. There can no longer be any argument for further delay. And as someone who passionately believed that we had to go back to our European friends to seek a better agreement, I must tell the House that with this new deal, the scope for future negotiation, for fruitful negotiation, has run its course. They said, they said, he said, they couldn't, that we couldn't reopen the withdrawal agreement, Mr Speaker. They said we couldn't reopen the withdrawal agreement. They said we couldn't change a comma of the withdrawal agreement. They said we couldn't abolish the backstop, Mr Speaker. We've done both. But it is now my judgment that we have reached the best possible solution. So those who agree like me, that Brexit must be delivered, and who, like me, prefer to avoid a no-deal outcome, must abandon the delusion that this House can delay again, 
And I must tell the House in all candour that there is very little appetite among our friends in the EU for this business to be protracted by one extra day. They have had three and a half years of this debate. It has distracted them from their own projects and their own ambitions. And if there is one feeling, if there is one feeling that unites the British public with a growing number of officials in the EU, it is a burning desire to get Brexit. And I must... It's just gone half ten. Uh, that hubbub you can hear in the background is the lobby briefing breaking up. We're not allowed to record it. Although it's probably for the best because anyone listening to it would be none the wiser. Tim Shipman, please go to the Sunday Times, is with me. Tim, what's going on? What's going on, Matt? It's, uh, it's like sort of herds of wildebeest circulating in the press gallery. And somewhere there are lions, which make life more interesting. I don't know. Um, everybody's here as if this is an interesting day in British politics. And it appears to be unfolding just like any other farcical day in the history of Brexit. But yet everybody seems to want to come in on their day off to watch it. Those of us that normally work on a Saturday uh, are finding this mildly diverting, having some live news, but quite why everybody else is interested is utterly beyond me. Is it because we thought Super Saturday was going to deliver decisive action? Well, anyone who's followed Brexit would have uh, ought to have been paying closer attention uh, knowing the history of this thing. Yes, I mean, everyone hoped there was going to be a nice big vote on Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. And there may yet be, of course. But it looks very likely that... Uh, Oliver Letwin's uh, amendment will pass, which will cause the government, uh, we are now told, to pick up the ball from the field of play and run away. They don't want to seem to have a, a vote if it's a pointless vote. Um, there's no point having a meaningless vote, as someone said to me earlier. Some people think they should have a meaningless vote anyway, given that everybody's bothered to come into work on a Saturday. Uh, and a lot of MPs, I have to say, are pretty irked with Mr Letwin um, and sending him abusive messages. Um, and saying he should pay for all their travel. The whole purpose of Oliver Letwin and then Hillary Benn passing the Benn Act was to say that in the event that the Prime Minister didn't have a deal uh, or Parliament had not approved a deal, then there should be an extension. Yes, and the implication, the, with the deal. The implication being that were there a deal that Parliament had approved, there was no need for an extension. And now the Letwin position seems to be, even though there is a deal, we still need an extension anyway. Well, lots of them have sort of been saying that for a long time. They doubt that the government can get the, the necessary legislation through in time. The government say we'll work around the clock and we'll, we'll do it by the 31st and we can still pull that off. But it, this certainly has heightened suspicion amongst uh, not just Brexit, hardline Brexiteers, but a lot of sort of moderates that Oliver Letwin and his uh, cronies are not actually about trying to stop a no deal, but about trying to stop uh, any kind of Brexit. And they're pretty annoyed about it. Where we are right now, 20 to 11 on Super Saturday. Super Saturday. Where will we be by October the 31st or by Christmas? That's a very good question. I think any uh, newspaper journalist that makes predictions at the moment is a fool. I mean, I would guess this will come to a head next week. Uh, the bill will be published on Tuesday. We'll have an indicative vote. The, the cautious indications are that the government has enough votes to pass second reading of a bill. Um, they will then face a, a barrage of amendments, at which point Boris Johnson is going to have a very tricky juggling act. Um, because for every concession he makes to one side, he's going to lose votes on his other flank. Um, and it's going to be very tricky to pilot that through in time. But I think you'll see MPs forced to sit virtually around the clock to get it done. Um, and if not, uh, you suspect they will come to an arrangement with the European Union that there is a very short technical extension to get it done. Don't forget, back in the day, 
when Stephen Kinnock's amendment passed. We've got this thing today triggering the Ben Act by the look of it. If Letwin's amendment passes, the Ben Act is triggered. Boris Johnson's supposed to send a letter saying he wants an extension. But the Stephen Kinnock amendment back in the day said that the extension can only be for the purposes of passing the legislation rather than for a referendum or a general election. And I think the appetite in Brussels is really just get on and pass this thing. So I think they'll allow a short amount of time. And Boris Johnson, I think, probably feels he can get away with uh, a week or two uh, past October the 31st if it is necessary. They will go for hell, hell for leather to make it not necessary. But um, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of... Uh, rather tired MPs over the next month and they are unlikely to be less irritable than they are today. An election, when's that likely to happen? I mean it's getting trickier before Christmas isn't it? Uh, yeah the window is closing pretty rapidly there's a sort of gap between the very end of November and about the 12th of December where it's just conceivable that you could have an election but uh, the cabinet secretary has said you can't have one after the 12th of December because all the village halls are booked up for Christmas um, which will be a blessed relief for some of us that we might actually get some time off. Um, so the most likely time is sometime in uh, once the weather turns in the spring I would have thought and by then it would be more difficult for uh, the Labour Party to continue to persist with the view that they are uh, not interested in an election. And once there's been some kind of delay and once this Brexit question is mildly settled, then uh, I think everybody recognises that uh, we need to get on with it. Just finally, can we talk about your trousers? Uh, if we must, yes. I'd rather rashly, it being a Saturday, came to work wearing a pair of uh, what can only be described as jeans this morning, which uh, are not uh, acceptable fare in the parliamentary press gallery. So I've had to root through my office and dig out a very old pair of trousers from a suit long since discarded which appear to be covered after four years of festering in the House of Commons in a combination of uh, mildew and uh, mould. Well there we are. Very fetching. But that is apparently more acceptable attire than a smart pair of jeans. <laughs> but trousers are very important. Um, some time ago Sam Coates, who I believe uh, now exists on some digital television channel, but when he was at the Times he used to tell us that the, that the size of the problem in British politics was directly linked to the size of the hole in his trousers. So the fact that you are wearing your special emergency trousers at least suggests... No holes, but I do have a, a, a rich array. I mean, if anyone goes gets sick today, I have some penicillin <laughs> I can provide for them just by scraping the knee of these trousers. Well, I was going to say you look very smart, but I actually look quite the opposite. Uh, but uh, for now, anyway, Tim Shipper, thanks very much. So after quite a few uh, slightly dull speeches, I didn't think I'd ever say this, everyone is rushing down to try and catch a speech from Theresa May. Here it is. I hope the whole House will forgive me if I say that standing here I have a distinct sense of déjà vu. <laughs> <laughs> But today's vote is an important <laughs> Well, I intend to rebel against all of those who don't want to vote to deliver Brexit. Yeah! Mr Speaker, today's vote is important. The eyes of the country, no, actually the eyes of the wider world are upon us today. And every member in this House has a responsibility in the decision that they will take to determine on whether or not they are going to put the national interest first. And not just an ideological or a single issue or a party political interest, but the full wider interests of our constituents. And as we look at this, as we look at this issue, it is something the decision we take tonight will determine not just the future of our country, 
and the future lives of our constituents, but I believe the very future of our politics. Because we have today to take a key decision, and it's simple. Do we want to deliver Brexit? Do we want to deliver on the result of the referendum in 2016? Well, we know, we know the views of the Scottish Nationalist uh, Party. They, uh, they reject results of referendum. They had a referendum to When this House voted overwhelmingly to give the choice of our membership of the EU to the British people, did we really mean it? When we voted to trigger Article 50, did we really mean it? When the two main parties represented in this House stood on manifestos in the 2017 general election to deliver Brexit, did we really mean it? I think there can only be one answer to that, and that is yes, we did mean it. Yes, we keep faith with the British people. Yes, we want to deliver Brexit. Because if this Parliament did not mean it, then it is guilty of the most egregious contract on the British people. To Esther Webber, Red Box reporter, one of the most extraordinary things we've seen in a long time, Theresa May gave a really good speech. She did. It was, I think, one of her first contributions on Brexit since Boris Johnson became Prime Minister and she really did make the house sit up and take notice. She said it would be an egregious contract if Brexit were stopped now or via this vote. Um, she also said she had a sense of deja vu being in the chamber making the case again which raised a laugh. And it was smart and funny and she spoke without notes and she seemed to be relaxed and enjoying herself. You sort of wonder if she'd been a bit more like that over the past couple of years. Maybe we wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah, and um, you thought, oh, maybe she's got a bright future in politics. <laughs> it, did, it did feel like that. And then also we heard that afterwards she was in the corridors kind of trying to galvanise people and get them to vote with the government, which is quite remarkable when you think of the set of circumstances that led to her being removed. <laughs> it is admirable the way that she's been in the Commons for big occasions, often making notes. Uh, she's spoken previously on, I think, domestic abuse and the Queen's speech last week. Um, but, you know, she's doing the job of being an MP and, you know, she had this small blip when she was Prime Minister and she's just getting on with the job of being an MP again. Yeah, it is kind of incredible to see, and I guess her brand has always been, you know, she's a public servant and takes her duty very seriously, um, and that was something she had going for her, even when things were going really badly, and she really kind of stuck to that today, and, uh, and seems to be determined to follow that through. And Theresa May's speech notable because all of the others have been pretty unremarkable. It feels like we've heard everyone do their not greatest hits on Brexit. Yeah, we heard really some quite poor speeches today in part, um, or just very repetitive things we've heard from all of them already. Um, and even Michael Gove, who can be a very kind of rousing speaker, um, was, was not... Uh, in as fine voice as he has been. But May's one was definitely one to listen to. And, and one not to listen to came immediately before Ian Blackford, leader of the SNP, um, just went on and on. I mean, talk about not knowing when you've lost the room. 
<laughs> yes, I think one of our colleagues commented it was like he was trying to filibuster saying that the bell act would kick in at midnight yeah, <laughs> and he'd still be talking. It really did seem to go on forever and I noticed that um, some people chose that moment to go and buy their lunch. <laughs> Another colleague said it was like he'd printed it off three times on the printer and then sort of took all of it into the chamber, just went round and round in circles. Yes, I think it was sadly an example of someone definitely not reading the room as uh, people seemed to get quite restless towards the end of his very long peroration. Yeah, it's about half an hour long in Blackford's speech. Yeah. Theresa May had five minutes and managed to do far more than that. Uh, Esther Webber, thanks very much. OK, still to come, we'll try and explain what is actually going to happen in the Commons and in the country, even. We'll be back after this short break. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Welcome back to the Red Box podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, spending my Saturday in Westminster so you don't have to. Well, there's not a huge amount going on in the Commons, just lots of people saying what they usually say. So let's head out to the protest outside the People's Vote protest happening in Parliament Square. As you would expect, an awful lot of EU flags flying, uh, some Union Jacks and Welsh flags, uh, some happy smiling flags. You've got, you've got a fairly funny sign. Is it fairly what? funny, yeah? I think so. <laughs> Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. There we are. So it's it's actually a you know uh, from who that quotation is from? No, go on. Donald Trump. It was in the letter to Ed- Recep Erdogan. Oh, of course. So it's a topical. What brings you here? Well, obviously, we need to stop Brexit, right? It's, it's foolish. It's, uh, it's a fight between the rich and the poor, and we should tackle that rather than talking about leaving the European Union. Um, where are you from? I'm German. Okay. And uh, how long have you been in the UK? Four years now. And do you think that all this will work, this protesting? Well, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, it's definitely worthwhile an effort. It's our democratic duty, I think, to do something and to express our, our opinion about this. And what, what about people who say, well, look, we haven't imp- even tried to implement the first referendum. Why do we have a second one? Just because some people didn't like the, the outcome of the first one. I think it's a fair point, but I think now we know what this is all about. And I think now we need to be, give it back to the people, despite the fact that I'm not allowed to vote. But I think the people that are allowed to vote, that should have a say if they now agree to what has been negotiated. Given where you're from, how badly do you think British politicians have misunderstood German politics in general and Angela Merkel in particular? Because there's always been this sense, oh, the 11th hour... Angela Merkel will come to our rescue. They were going to rescue David Cameron. They were going to rescue Theresa May. You know, she had a particularly fractious call with Boris Johnson last week. Why do we keep getting it so wrong? I think you guys have a point that the European Union needs reform. And I think that's what we've misunderstood as Germans and as European Union ourselves as well. I think we should have probably acknowledged that and worked with you guys to reform the European Union and try to keep you in. What are you waiting for? Is there something happening white later? Smoke, white smoke. Oh, white smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Our best chance of white smoke is if Parliament burns down, I think. So. Well, yeah, it's Guy Fawkes night soon, right? That's, that's so, true. That's true. Well, maybe well, we just wait a lot for that. Anyway, it's nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. You can explain in 30 seconds what you're dressed as. It's the Brexit unicorn. Clearly. Right. <laughs> Galloping cons- through the sunless uplands. Which consists of a donkey costume. A donkey costume with an inflatable willy on its head. Excellent. And Aaron Banks and Nigel Farage on my bottom. Very good. How long did this take? Oh, it's been out a fair few times. It's, I've had it for at least a year. I've been on every single march since 2016, pretty much. Do you worry that all of your efforts have yet to come to anything? Yes. <laughs> but 
but you know it's making me feel a lot better walking around Parliament Square dressed as a unicorn. Do you think that's what part of this is? That, totally. This is an exercise of just feeling better with. Yes, it's completely that. So that and it's really good nature, and everybody's in a really lovely mood. There's a couple of flies in the ointments, you know, but there always are, and they can't infuriate or bully a donkey. I mean, a unicorn. A unicorn. <laughs> there we are. Why not? Why not dress up as a donkey? I thought in the interest of balance, I'd come and speak to some people who are campaigning on the other side. You've got a sign that says leave means leave. Yes. You're just standing here quietly? Yes. <laughs> yes. Have you had any trouble? No trouble at all so far, no, no. We, we have seen a, a bit of irate Remainers um, challenging uh, some of our colleagues. I mean, you are, it's fair to say you're in the minority here. We are, we are, we are, we are. <laughs> Which is fair enough, because like you said, yeah. it's not your demonstration. Yeah. Um, so did you vote leave? I did, I did. Where are you, Whereabouts are you from? Nottingham. What do you make of what has been going on in the building behind you in Parliament? Well, I think it's a, a scandal, it's a disgrace. The, the spectacle of this, these scoundrels and, and they're just behaving according to their own prejudices is, is, uh, is, is, is just beyond belief. I mean, they, they, they begged for our votes in the last general election, you know, to, 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 in each of their constituencies, they went to, to the electorate saying, please vote us in and we'll, we'll represent you and we'll implement uh, the referendum result, 80% of them, roughly speaking, did. As soon as they got voted in, I'll tell you who he is later. Um, <laughs> So I'm blowing a horn. As soon as they took their, their seats on the green benches, they then proceeded to just follow their own prejudices and opinions and not, not the mandate that they, they were given by the electorate. It's not even like they've been very effective in doing anything else. I mean, it wouldn't be great for democracy, but if, yeah. if they forced through a second referendum and stopped Brexit, at least they might have done something. Thank God they weren't effective enough to do that. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And so how do you think all this pans out? It sounds like we've all come out specially for Saturday, big Super Saturday. It's entirely possible that they don't end up doing anything. anything yes, so I hear. This is coincidental. I mean, they organised, the, the Remainers organised this march months ago. Yeah. Hi there, up on the Times. Can I, talk to you, can I talk to you about your, your big horn? Yes, you may, yes. So which side of the debate are you on? Brexit. The Brexit side. The Bre yeah. You're on the Brexit side of the road. So give us a toot on your horn. <coughs> Very good. That is a ram's horn. And yes. have, you, have you had any trouble while you've been here today? Or is everyone getting not on really, nicely? No, no, not really. Just doing, doing our democratic exercise. But yeah, we're here just to tell people that we want our country back. We don't want to want to be under European laws. We want to be under English, British laws. So heading back into the Commons now, at 2.30, the vote is about to be called. And we're going to find out, is it on a knife edge? Is the let-win amendment, which basically kills off Boris Johnson's attempt to get MPs to actually vote on the Brexit deal, is the let-win amendment going to pass? And if it does pass, what does that mean? Let's find out how MPs are going to vote right now. The eyes to the right, 322. The nose to the left, 306. And I wish the House to know that I'm uh, not daunted or dismayed by this particular result and uh, I think it probably it probably became likely once it was obvious that the amendment for me uh, my, my right honourable friend uh, the member for West Dorset was going to remain uh, on the order paper. I, I continue in the very strong belief that the best thing for the UK and for the whole of Europe is for us to leave with this new deal on October the 31st. And uh, to anticipate the questions that are uh, uh, coming from uh, the benches opposite, I will not negotiate a delay with the EU. And neither, and, and, and neither does the law compel me to do so. So we've got the result, we've got the Prime Minister's statement. What does it all mean? I'm joined by uh, Ian Martin. Ian, have we just wasted our Saturday? Yeah, I think we have. I think, uh, you know, 
Oliver Letwin is someone who, if he sees any problem, he can always be guaranteed to make it more complicated. <laughs> I mean, this is, that is the story of his long contribution to public life. Now, I know that there's sort of Cameroon Tories, some of them my friends, who, who, who love the Letwin approach and Cameron used him as a, as a problem solver. But in this case, what he's done, I think, will look terrible outside this place. The, apart from hardcore Remainers, some of whom are standing behind us as we, as we speak in Parliament Square, and die in a ditch, no dealers, I think most people, uh, whether they voted Leave or Remain or neither, want some, want some form of resolution and want this thing to move forward. And what you ended up with today is essentially you can dress it up however you like it with Letwin saying that he wants a deal to pass and that this is just about further scrutiny. But the end result, the result on the evening news, the big picture, is that it's delayed again and it's all into kicked into another week. Where I, personally, I do think this a version of this deal will pass in the end because the European Union wants it and I think the numbers are probably there. But even so, as a spectacle, it's pretty grim. I don't really... The thing I genuinely don't understand, and I've tried asking people around Oliver Lett and they can't explain it either, is why not let there be a vote on the deal today? And then if it passed, then take control of the agenda next week and try and secure the extension or whatever it is. But we just seem to have ended up spending a whole day to end up no further forwards than we were yesterday. I agree with you completely. It would have been far better, surely, if you genuinely want a deal to pass, to do what you describe, but to have sought assurances from the government about how the withdrawal agreement bill would be scrutinized, and maybe even to open a line of communication with the European Union to say that you were passing this, but on the basis that if there was any funny business around the withdrawal agreement bill, then you would take control of business and create a successor to, to the Ben Act or change the data on the, the Ben Act. And a, Pretty, it's pretty clear that the European Union wants this deal and not no deal. And if it came to it, uh, something could have been worked out. But at least you would have had the, the, the sort of breakthrough moment, the closure of phase one. And there's a long way to go in this Brexit drama, of course. But some sense of positive movement and Parliament voting positively for something rather than always, always, always voting against and that's the point, isn't it, really, that as a Brexiteer, what you've had to put up with is people constantly blocking stuff but not actually proactively doing anything. Yeah, that's true, but then that applies to some of my fellow Brexiteers who've, who've been determined all along until now when they've finally woken up and started, started voting for whatsoever, whatever is on the table and trying to actually get Brexit rather than looking for the perfect Brexit. But yes, that's the frustration and the constitutional logjam that's created by the fixed term parliament act where you have a parliament that won't vote positively for anything and will not do what would normally happen in british history when you get this kind of logjam it sometimes takes a while but you eventually you get to an election and sometimes in years like 1974 you have to hold two to try and unblock things but because of the fixed term parliament act from uh, 2010 that route is is closed off and we're all stuck here on a saturday and the story is yet more delay back here on Tuesday. And, and what would you have been doing if you weren't here on a Saturday? 
I would have been, what would I have been doing? I would probably have been in the pub, but I might actually go to the pub now. I'm so depressed about the prospects. <laughs> I, think, I think in the end, that's all where we're going to end up in the end. Uh, maybe sooner rather later. But thanks very much. Uh, he's off to the pub. I'm going to head up to the uh, Times office, the infamous porter cabin on the roof of Parliament, uh, to try and catch up with some uh, colleagues who may or may not have got to the bottom of, of what is happening. Francis Elliott, please go to the Times. What's going to happen? <laughs> the cuddle weirdly started in the chamber and uh, because, of course, as soon as Johnson finished his point of order, it was such an obvious cliffhanger. I, I won't negotiate uh, with the EU. That, and it got quite bad tempered, actually, that huddle, didn't it? For, it it for did. And you, so normally what would happen for li- listeners is we come out of, sometimes we come out of PMQs or a statement by the PM and journalists stand around the Prime Minister's political and civil service uh, press spokesman, and they may be filling some of the gaps. They say, well, what he meant by that is we're going to do this on Monday and that on Tuesday and fill in the gaps. And unusually today, they've just got a downbeat. We've got nothing to add to what the Prime Minister had to say. <laughs> Absolutely. So bad. I think the huddle ended with me saying that, I'm wondering whether it was responsible to leave the markets. It is a market-moving question about whether the Prime Minister of the day is going to break the law. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's quite extraordinary that... Um, yeah, they've got no spokesman can't tell you whether he's going to break the law. Yeah, exactly right. And so, on the whole, it's not a controversial question. <laughs> yeah, the, is the prime minister going to break the law? We've got nothing to add to what the prime minister's already said. These are strange types. These are these are not normal types. And so, what do we think will happen next week? Well, the leader of the house has just suggested that the government will bring back a, in the technical jargon, a meaningful vote uh, on Monday. I mean, I think they think that they've got the momentum behind them. We're crunching the numbers as we speak, uh, and it looks like it looks like they possibly do have the numbers for this vote. So, the timing of today was imposed by the Ben Act. They didn't have to do it today, and it doesn't preclude them from doing it on Monday. So, I think that's what's going to happen. And so, we've basically just wasted our wasted our Saturday. I, I, it's a dress rehearsal, Matt. <laughs> and we're going to do it all over again. And look, here's Steve. Steve Swinford, uh, Deputy Political of the Times. Have you had a fun day, Steve? It's not been a super Saturday, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> what could you possibly rather be doing than sitting around listening to people making the same Brexit speeches all over again and then coming to no conclusion at the end? On the positive note, it sets up a completely explosive week next week. And that is going to be, from a journalistic point of view, pretty extraordinary and interesting. From the State of the Nation point of view, I'm not sure it's so good, but certainly interesting spectator sport. It's good for journalists, if nothing else. (laughs) If there's one thing this whole business has been good for. Uh, Francis, Steve, thanks very much. So there we have it. Uh, What a waste of time. Um, I feel feel embarrassed that we've wasted your time by you listening this far into the podcast. I hope you've got some sense of what is actually going on in Westminster, if no uh, real sense of what is actually going to happen uh, to Brexit or Boris Johnson or the country or all of you. It is entirely in keeping with this totally defunct Parliament uh, that we've ended up in a situation where Parliament sits on the first uh, Saturday for nearly 40 years. The last time they sat on a Saturday was to decide whether or not to go to war with Argentina. And today they've sat and decided to decide nothing. We'll be back next week, I'm sure, trying to explain what is going on. I just hope, however it is that you've spent your Saturday, you've had more fun than me. For me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.